This is the Mount Carmel Christian Church Podcast. Today, Senior Minister Dee Bacon will be teaching the message. Last year, 30th of December, I had the honor and the privilege of going as part of a group of 14 individuals uh, 14 individuals. There was myself and another guy. We were the two old guys. Uh, Larry Travis is uh, now a retired minister from around here. Larry was our leader. Uh, and then, so Larry and I, and then 12 uh, kids, 12 young people, young adults who are athletes at Northern Kentucky University. And uh, we went on a mission trip to Dominican Republic. We partnered in our efforts with the ministry of a man named Michel Marte, who has uh, been serving in a community called Navarrete, which is connected to Santiago. And it's a, a fairly impoverished, uh, rundown uh, situation where he's, he's felt God call him to be part of. He's got a church going on there. He's got a number of ministry endeavors going on there. And what we do is we come down and we uh, help him minister to the children of the community that's, that, that the church is located. And so we facilitate sports camps. Uh, we have member athletes, baseball players, softball players, ladies soccer players, uh, track and field. We had one golfer this year, it was exciting. And so we've, we do these sports camps, and, and so we, we played baseball, kickball, dodgeball. I had fun beating the kids with the dodgeball. No, it's kidding. <laughs> Actually, I did. But anyway, they just loved it, dodgeball. Uh, we did track and field things. And these kids just come around us, and, and they just fall in love with, with the young people that, that we go. I mean, if you ever have a worry about the next generation, I encourage you to go one of these trips with some of these young people that are young athletes to see just their hearts and their willingness to just pour themselves into, into these, this ministry and this mission. Uh, it's, it's overwhelming. This was my second trip to go. I had the honor of being able to go with my son and uh, his girlfriend, and uh, that's part of the crew. But this was my second trip, and our first trip, I met a kid. You know, there's kids that you run into that immediately you connect with and you remember and you have a heart towards. And so we met this kid. Uh, his name was Pepe, and he couldn't have been more than five or six years old. Uh, the first year, last year when we first met him, he, his teeth were rotting out a little bit. I guess that was his, his, his baby teeth were, were disappearing. But Pepe was just vivacious and full of love. He just loved being there, big old smile. And one of the things that Pepe was really talented at was photobombing. Whenever I'd take a picture, his face would appear. So here's one picture of Pepe. There he is right there in the stripes. Every time there was a camera, there was Pepe, like, hey, uh, and, and doing that. So that was last year. And then this is another one. This is Pepe. I was taking a picture, but we kind of focused in on it. Here's Pepe right there smiling and uh, really photobombing. He just had a talent the first year we were there of doing that. Now, when we go on these trips, one of the things we, you know, we were discussing on the plane, we were wondering which kids would be there this year. And, of course, you wonder about that because these, these families are in transition. They... I, I, I have no better way of describing it. It's like a slum is where they live. Dirt roads, shacks, shanties, not, no running water, no toilets that, that function in the way we would be used to their functioning. Uh, you have to drink bottled water. Uh, there's literally trash everywhere. The place doesn't smell clean. There's 
horses and cows and all sorts of stuff in these communities. And so when a family's in this community and they find a better job, they take, they, they move, they go somewhere else. And so we were wondering which kids would still be there when we went this year. And of course, we had mentioned Pepe because we love Pepe. And so I was thrilled to discover one of the first things as soon as we got there, we, Pepe was there. And so here's a picture of Pepe now. That's my son, Andrew, and Pepe. He got his teeth. Yeah. <laughs> So he's, look, but what a beautiful smile. And uh, just a great kid. He loves baseball and hates school. So I know how to relate to the kid because I had a couple of those in my household. Uh, loves baseball, hates school. Uh, in fact, one of the guys that work with the ministry, he, you know, he was one of our translators. He was telling me that his family has often asked him, hey, can you please talk to Pepe? Because he's acting like he's sick. He doesn't want to go to school. And so he'll have to, hey, Pepe, come on. You go to school. Oh, my stomach. But if it's baseball, he's down there, right? He's, he's there. No more problems. These kids play in a playground where it's just a dirt playground. Uh, there's a backstop and some dugouts kind of that have been constructed kindly by Lipscomb University in Tennessee. Um, but by and large, this is where we facilitate all our camps uh, with these kids. Um, our week also includes one day in which we do construction and we minister to a family and help him build their house. And so one year they built a house for a guy that was in a wheelchair. Uh, he literally, whenever it rained, his neighbors had to come and put a, a tarp over him to keep him dry. And so uh, the team, this was the year before me, were able to put a roof up on the place he lives, and that very night it rained, and he stayed dry. And the neat thing is, here's an end around, the neat thing is we were doing an, our job this year, and we were building this, pl this, this it's really a shack, for this old lady, uh, mental issues, but this older lady uh, helped work with that, and he was down the road. He came up to us in his wheelchair, and he wanted to express his thanks. He gave us some two liters of pop as a thank you for what we had done. You remember that. It was just overwhelming for that. And so we've done, we've done a number of concerns, but primarily we, we, do, we do these camps for these kids. And uh, as I said, Pepe loves baseball. He's always there. He's, he's doing it. But Pepe is special to us, not just because of his infectious smile and his energy and his love for baseball and his love to participate and what appears to us to be a really great attitude. Pepe has overcome unimaginable odds to be able to do what he does. And I don't think I can capture exactly what he deals with by words. So what I'm going to do is I'm just going to show you a video that I took of Pepe playing catch on one of our camp days. Enjoy this picture. Pepe has a mangled leg. The story is, is that he was with his family as a baby. What they do in the Dominican is 
the whole family rides a motorcycle. So it was mom and dad and Pepe and probably another one of his siblings. They were on a motorcycle, and the motorcycle was in an accident, and Pepe's legs were crushed. And as you can see, unlike here, he obviously didn't receive the care that brought about a restoration to his leg. It's not straight, it's bent, it doesn't function correctly. Pepe is dealing with not only his circumstances of growing up in the slum, now Pepe has the added pain and struggle of dealing with a right leg that doesn't function correctly, a right leg that's mangled and scarred, a right leg that doesn't work, and all he wants to do is play baseball. He's got a pretty good arm, though. And I was thinking about Pepe, and I was in conversation with my friend Larry, and we were talking about Pepe, and we were like, what, what, we need to do something for Pepe. What could we do? Lord, we were praying in our, our D group time, Lord, be with Pepe, bring about something uh, for Pepe. And we were just thinking in terms of what can we do for Pepe, because our assumption is that Pepe doesn't have a bright future. And you know what? It's, it's, it's a fair assumption, right? based on where he lives and based on the circumstances presented to him, based on his condition, his physical condition, the odds are stacked against him for, for having a life that we would describe as, 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 as successful, productive, good. We would look at Pepe, and we're looking at Pepe from the point of view of this kid has so many limitations. What can we do to help him? What can we bring to assist him? What can we do to, to bring about a change in what is an obvious life trajectory for him? I mean, I think about Pepe. I'm thinking, I'm no doctor, but I'm thinking, wow, what happens when he goes through his growth spurt? And that bent and crooked leg is not growing right and doing what it's supposed to do. I can't imagine the pain, and I can't imagine the consequences of, of what lies ahead. And I began to feel sorry for Pepe, and I began to feel compassion for Pepe, because this kid doesn't look to have much ahead of him. And then I was convicted, first of all, by Pepe himself, because I thought, wait a minute, he doesn't think that way. You see the big old smile? You see the delight in chasing the baseball? He just wants to play baseball. And he's like any other kid. He lives in the present as enjoying the now. And I was reminded by something that Jesus said regarding his followers. He said, by the way, if you want to be part of my kingdom, you have faith like a what? A child. A child simply trusts and lives in the present and gives their future to God gives their future to things that they know are beyond their control. They live in the joy of the present. And Pepe, definitely by his attitude and the way he operated, <laughs> he had a faith of a child, which made me realize something. Wait a minute. Wait a minute. Even with his limited future, even with his what appears to me to be a difficult life ahead, Pepe shows us the way. Because Pepe reminds me that we serve a God who has entered into our life, no matter what our cripplings, no matter what our 
our hurts, no matter what our burdens, no matter what our circumstances, no matter where we live, what language we speak, what way we operate, when God is with us, the possibilities are far greater. Which brings me back around to the scripture that I talked about last week. Today's part two of uh, our vision series, talking about Vision 2020, Mount Carmel, what we're called to. And we were reminded exactly of what Jesus said to his followers on the moment in which he returned to God after his resurrection. If you recall the story, he was crucified and buried three days later. He busted out of the grave back back to life. This Bible says that he appeared to his followers in a number of occasions, confirming that he was truly alive in body. They touched him. They spoke with him. They ate with him. He was in the flesh. Thomas was invited to, to hold on to him because he didn't believe. But Jesus was alive. And he came to a point where the disciples said, okay, Jesus, what's next? That point occurred on a mountaintop that Jesus said, I want you to go out there and meet me. The disciples doubted, it says in Matthew, because they wondered what's next. What's the future? Where where to go? Where's the roof? Are we at our limit? Are you going to establish a kingdom? Everything is coming to an end. And, And Jesus points to something that he began right from the beginning that he was going to now continue and he was going to continue through his followers by the power of his spirit. He said, no, no, I'm going back to the Father. I'm going to send to you my spirit so that I can be with you and we can continue on this mission. This vision will be achieved. That is, all people of all nations, of all languages will have the opportunity through your work to be introduced to God so that they might know that the good news is is that we can be made right with God through faith in Jesus who resurrected. And this is how he put it. Let's let's go through this again in Matthew chapter 28. He said, Then Jesus came to them and said, All authority and in heaven and on earth has been given to me. That's pretty cool. You know, Jesus says, I got this, I can do this, and I will do this. I'm the resurrected one. And you know what? As far as I'm concerned, if a man resurrects from the dead as he said he was and did what Jesus did, he can say whatever he wants, and I'm believing him, right? He said, I got this. This is authorized by God. What? You go, you go, church. You go, followers. You go. Be active. Don't be passive. Don't gather together in your holy huddles and expect like-minded people to join you because you have this wonderful sign and wonderful programs. No. You engage in the culture that you find yourself in, in your day-to-day, in your mundane. You go and make disciples, followers of all nations, of all people groups, of all individuals. Baptizing them. Bring them to a point of faith in the name. We talked about baptism, immersion into the name of Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, and he says this, and teaching them, educating them, training them, helping them learn, right? Everything to obey, everything I've commanded. What is that? That's referring to the practical application of the Word of God that's contained in the Scriptures to our daily living. And he says, and surely I'm with you always to the very end of the age. Now, some of you have known me a number of years and have come to realize the truth of the statement that I'm, a, I'm an impatient person. I like get going. I like get things done. Didi the speedy, right? And if you don't know that already, now you do. I hate waiting, and I hate, I like action. I hate talking for hours about stuff. I'm like, shut up. Let's just do it, right? <laughs> 
And so when I look at the scripture, I'm like, I'm all about the action. Go, yeah, let's go. What are we going to do when we go? We're going to baptize and teach. That's awesome. Let's do it. Let's do it. Let's do it. And in that focus, I have to confess that I've now been convicted that I've missed the most important piece of the whole thing. That last line. That last line that Pepe now reminds me of. I am with you always to the end of the age. The work of the church, the work of go, the work of baptize, the work of teach is a work of God, powered by God in the form of His Spirit working through us. And it's up to us, if we want to be part of this mission, to align ourselves in obedience to the work of the Holy Spirit, to God's work in this world. And here's something else that I've learned over the years following Christ. We tend, to, we tend to circle those things in our life that we would say are big, right? The, the grandiose experience, the big aha moments. And we tend to, to kind of elevate those as the things that are evidence that God is at work. And, and those are important, but the truth is, is that I've come to realize that God at work is about the mundane. It's about the day-to-day. The work of the church, individuals who are faithful, it's about going to work and paying the bills and rearing your children and being faithful in marriage. It's about speaking honestly and about being having courageous to do what's needed to do to have healthy relationship. It's about the mundane, the small things that you do on a repetitive basis, dedicating that to God, aligning your life in the mundane to what God is doing. That's what this is all about. And that's something that we all can do. So church is all about just the gifted, the talented, the ones on the stage, the ones that make the decision. That church is all about God working in us as we're obedient in the mundane. And so in light of that, we've kind of put together a challenge for the church that really lives in the day-to-day and the mundane. What does it look like for us to be obedient to what God has called us to do, to go make disciples baptizing them in the name of Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, teaching them everything we've commanded you, trusting on God to be with us and walking with God and His Spirit. What does that look like? And so we've come up with something called the Mount Carmel Ask for 2020. This is what we're asking you. If you want to be part of this church family and part of this church work and obedient to that, this is what we feel like you need to do Mount Carmel asks. First thing is, we've seen that when Jesus was asked, what are the most important things to know about following God, about loving God or being with God? Well, he says, well, the first commandment is love God with all your heart, mind, and soul. And the second is like it, love one another. And in doing that, you fulfill the great commission, the calling that God has for you in your life. So what does it mean to love God? Well, first, to love God, we ask that you make this commitment, that you will make it a habit to learn and to live out Scripture. Learn and live Scripture. When Paul was writing to his apprentice, Timothy, 2 Timothy, he says this in chapter 3, all Scripture is God-breathed. All Scripture originates from God and is useful. It's not to be studied and theorized and memorized just so it can sit in your memory banks for you to pull out whenever you feel like pulling it out. No, it's useful, which means it's practical and needs to be applied to life. It's useful for teaching, rebuking, correcting and training in righteousness. Why? Verse 17. So that the servant of God, the follower of God, the Jesus disciple of God may be thoroughly equipped, may have everything they need to do to do what? For every good work, Paul says. 
We learn and live Scripture not so that we can have an academic event and cross it off and say, I'm such a spiritual person. We learn and live Scripture so that we might attune our lives to hearing the Word of God so that we live by the will of God in our day-to-day. Worship God by giving your best. That's what it means to love God with all your heart. Paul summarized this in chapter 12 of Romans, verse 1. He said, Therefore, I urge you, brothers and sisters, in view of God's mercy, to offer your bodies as a living sacrifice, holy and pleasing to God. This is your true and proper worship. Being part of the church means you dedicate your mundane, your living sacrifice, daily giving yourself to honor God. Everything you do needs to honor God. There's no separation between what is sacred, the stuff I do for God, and secular, the stuff I do that's what we call real life. No, real life is sacred. Everything belongs to God, and so paying the bills belongs to God. Talking to your spouse belongs to God. Dealing with your child belongs to God. Driving to work belongs to God. Dealing with that person that tells you number one on the highway belongs to God. Celebrate when I witness God at work. Philippians 4, rejoice in the Lord always. I will say it again, rejoice. I've been uh, doing, making this a practice, so if I do this with you, you know it's coming, right? Uh, I've been talking to people that have been in the world and have had success in their life in various forms and various careers, and I've been asking them the question, so tell me the one thing that you're surprised led to your success. The one thing that's counterintuitive that you didn't realize would be, bring about success that ended up being a really significant part of your success in whatever that may be, sales or managing. I, I talked to my preacher friend and I said, tell me the one thing that you would tell me as a young preacher uh, that is counterintuitive regarding the work. And he said, have fun. Have fun. He said, the work of ministry is, is tough enough have fun. Enjoy every moment of it. Look for the joy in those moments. And I thought, man, that is so good. Have fun. Yet how is it that many times our reputation with the world, and we can say, well, that's bad press. Well, bad press is based on some truth here. How is it that we as Christians many times are not characterized as people who have fun, but instead we're characterized as people as mean-spirited, bigoted, judgmental, harsh, Well, I think while there is bad press out there, I think a lot of it has to do with the fact that we are not having fun. And the lives that we lead are more burdensome and difficult. And who wants to follow Christ if that's what you look like, right? Truth be told, if you are a Christian for a number of years and you are growing grumpier, meaner, nastier, more into gossip and critical, something's amiss. You better repent of your sin. Because I'm telling you, the longer you're in Christ, the more joy-filled you need to be. Right? So that's why it's okay for us to enjoy our time together. If you want to raise your hands while you're singing a song, raise it up. You want to clap. You want to laugh. Laugh. I think the world needs to know we have found the greatest news in the world ever. And let them see our pearly whites as we laugh and have fun. Right? Real fun. Have fun. Make prayer my first move. I like this. If you're into memorizing Scripture, here's a good one. 1 Thessalonians 5.17. Here it is. It's a real long one. Pray continuously. I got that one, right? Pray continuously. 
Make prayer your first move. Usually our first move to do anything is to come up with a plan to get it done. I'm going to do this. I'm going to do that. I'm going to deal with this. I'm going to deal with that. How about including prayer as your first move? Prayer as your first move. Commit to being one in Christ. Make every effort to keep the unity of the Spirit through the bond of peace. This is written to church folk. And the, the, the challenge is make every effort. Do everything within your power and what God gives to you to keep the unity with the bond of peace. Now, I've been thinking about this one a lot because there's a lot of things that can be addressed. And I think one of the biggest problems that we have within our relationships that then translate to our church relationships is that we have the tendency to assume the worst while playing the story that confirms what we believe about a person. You with me? Something happens, we hear something that doesn't sit right with us, we hear, receive something that offends us, that upsets us, and what we immediately do, we see stop playing a story that fills the gaps as to why this person is acting this way. And it's not a story that's based on truth. We've not spent the time talking to the person and really dealing with the facts of the matter, but instead we construct a story. We construct a story and we say things like, a lot of people are complaining about and by a lot of people, what we mean is my wife only, is all I've heard from. <laughs> oh, no, a ton of people are doing this. By a ton of people, we basically mean the two people we, we know. Now, it's not negating the issues that need to be addressed, but if we are grounded in the truth and we stop telling stories, this promotes unity. I like how Bob Russell says, and Bob Russell's a retired minister from Louisville, Kentucky, he said, let's start dealing with one another by assuming the best while scoping out the facts. Guess what? There are some people that will be doing things that are wrong and sinful and have been mean and need to be addressed. And in order to save their lives because of their sinful ways, it's up to us to speak to them clearly on it. But let's assume the best while scoping out the facts. Let's be open and asking questions that we are confused about and going to that individual and saying, okay, I've heard this about you. What's going on? Let's talk. Let's talk face to face. Let's talk as brother and sister. Let's assume the best while scoping out the facts. Why? Because it promotes the unity of peace Give in order to resource mission. Paul says to the Corinthians, you will be enriched in encouraging them to give to an offering that he was collecting. You will be enriched in every way so that you can be generous on every occasion, and through us, your generosity will result in thanksgiving to God. <laughs> you will be enriched in every way when you are faithful in giving the resources that God has blessed you with, which you are holding on temporarily, I told first service this, as my, my follower would say, you came into the world naked, you're going to go out the world naked. He who dies with the most stuff, what? Dies. So what you do with the stuff that you're being blessed with, well, okay, Paul gives you a plan. This mission in life gives you a plan. Invest in the things of heaven. Be generous. Give in every occasion so that you will be rewarded. And that reward will not only be an eternal investment, life change in the mission of God being fulfilled, but also thanksgiving to God himself for the blessings that you've given. Love God. Love people. Here's what we're going to ask you to consider in terms of loving people. Three things. Number one, be a promoter of belonging. To love people, I will be a promoter of belonging. In other words, I'll make the effort to know the name of people around me, and then I will make the commitment to become a disciple for them to become. I will make the commitment to give what God gives to me to help them learn to become a Jesus follower. Some of you, start with praying for that person. 
How many of you pray for individuals around you on a regular basis? There's a challenge. Give them a word of encouragement. Help them understand Scripture. 1 Thessalonians 5.11, Therefore encourage one another and build each other up just as in fact you are doing. Get to know the name of those that God has assigned you and make the commitment to help them grow as a Christ follower. Maybe it means that you teach them about and bring them to, to faith. It's been great to see the baptisms this past year. What's been most thrilling to me is that every baptism pretty much has been done by the individual that has been discipling that person being baptized, who has been doing the work on the ground. It's not, Didi, come in and do it at the end, which is fine, but I prefer to see the person that brought them to Christ, baptize them in Christ, so that they can walk with them in Christ as they learn to follow Christ. That's how it's meant to be. That's why I like to see, I know I'm picking on you, but everyone knows you're here, Tim. Uh, um, <laughs> but I like to see big Tim Wall, baptizing men that he's part of his men's group. That's what it's meant to be. Be a promoter of belonging. Know their name and commit, themselves, commit yourself to make them of Jesus' follow. Be a participating servant. I'll use my God gifts to bless others. Paul says in 1 Corinthians in talking about spiritual gifts, now to each one the manifestation of the Spirit is given for the common good. I'm just going to spend a little, just take a moment here. I talked about fun. And I talked about the work of the Spirit in the lives of people. That, But I want us to stop, if you're a Jesus follower, recognize there's no way in Scripture where it says, I felt the Spirit move. We gathered together and I felt the Spirit move. That is nowhere in Scripture. I felt the Spirit. There's no feeling of the Spirit. What we find in Scripture time and time again is this language. They were filled with the Spirit, and then what happened? ministry. The Word of God was preached boldly. Hand was laid on a man who was lame that now could walk. The blind could see. Fill with the Spirit. The generous give generously. The leaders lead with faith. The wise share with wisdom to encourage those who are seeking direction from God. Filled with the Spirit results in the fulfillment of ministry. Do not relegate the work of the Spirit. Just a feeling, I felt it in the... No, that is not scriptural. To be filled with the Spirit is to see the supernatural work of the Spirit in bringing about ministry to lives. Lives are changed, healed, transformed by the supernatural gift that you have the opportunity to share when you are faithful to say, yes, I will step out of my comfort zone and I will speak, I will do, I will act, I will pray, I will trust. Be a participant in serving. Finally, be a pupil in training. I will learn to make Jesus followers who make Jesus followers. Paul says in Corinthians 11.1, 1, follow my example as I follow the example of Christ. Those of you that are parents uh, know that you have already been assigned those who have been called to follow you as you follow Christ. They're called your children. And as a parent, they'll be watching you till the day you die, probably. You don't stop parenting when your kids are grown. It's just different. And then there are others that God assigns, your spiritual children, if you'd like, who you've befriended and you have invested in. Those people that you call your friends, if they don't know Christ, they're seeing Christ in your life. If they are Jesus follower, then you're called to help them follow Jesus and become a Jesus follower maker too. 
I love the boldness of Paul, right? How many of us would say, follow me as I follow Jesus? Which means you have to be confident that, that I'm worth following because I'm following Jesus, right? That's a challenge. But it's a challenge that every one of us who are called to be part of the church needs to realize people are watching you on how you follow Jesus and they're seeing what it looks like to follow Jesus with skin on. That's a responsibility we all have. Every one of us follow someone who's following Jesus and all of us have someone who's following us as we follow Jesus. God has given us everything we need by His Spirit to be able to do that in a way that honors Him. I'm not saying that you're perfect and don't make mistakes. In fact, part of the journey is to be open about your struggles and say, look, I'm struggling with this, but this is what, I, what I'm, I'm, I'm seeking to do in order to be obedient to Jesus. I, that's powerful stuff. The process that we're trying to facilitate here at the church by our small groups, but also in our discipleships, we call them one with three, where one, in, one person, a discipler, invests a season of time 20 weeks of a journey through the gospel of Mark and into Ephesians to do what? To teach Jesus followers to follow Jesus so that they can make Jesus followers in the same pattern. That's what we're going to be doing this year, starting up in February, providing opportunities to see this happen in the church where we go small and we go strong and we go slow because life change happens at the pace that God in our day-to-day living slowly So I think about Pepe. You know, his future doesn't look bright on a worldly point of view. He's got a bad leg. He's living in a slum in Dominican Republic, Navarrete. I believe he's got a stepfather, which means his, his, his home is not necessarily, I'm not sure the circumstances of that. Well, appearances is a sweet kid that doesn't look like he has many bright prospects, does he? <laughs> but God with him. If Pepe accepts Christ through the ministry of Michel Marte and dedicates his life remembering that American kids from across far away came and invested in him and at the end of every every gathering of playing his beloved baseball shared about Jesus as the reason for why they why they were doing this when 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 Pepe has God with us through Jesus as he promised guess what Pepe can be part of this mission he can love God and he can love people because Jesus is with him and will give him everything he needs Everything he needs to learn and live scripture, to give generously, to serve faithfully, to be a a member of a community of belonging. All the things we talked about, Pepe can do with Christ in his life. So guess what? What's your excuse? What's your excuse? What's keeping you from aligning your life to love God and to love people and to live out this mission of of serving God in the place he puts you so that you might engage in bringing people to know Christ and they too then may engage in this work far greater than anything that they will do in this world. Jesus followers making Jesus followers who make Jesus followers who make Jesus followers. That's what he's doing and that's what he's calling us to be part of. Will you be part of it? 
You can find out more about us on the web at mtcarmelchurch.org.